Um, so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read this story, and it's this passage where Jesus has been through this Garden of Gethsemane, he's been betrayed, he's been well, Pontius Pilate, and then he's been put up on the cross. And now we're going to read this bit, um, starting where Jesus actually dies. Mark 15, verse 33. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lemmy, Sabachthani, which means, by the way, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. So one of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on a reed stick so that he could drink. Wait, he said, let's see whether Elijah comes to take him down. Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. And the temple in the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. When a Roman officer saw, when a Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, he exclaimed, truly this man was the son of God. And some women were there watching from a distance, including Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, the younger, and of Joseph, and Salome. They had been followers of Jesus, and they had cared for him while he was in Galilee. And many other women who had come with him were in in Jerusalem there also. And then it talks about the guy, um, Joseph of Arimathea, who who went up and asked uh, for Jesus' body and put him in a tomb. And then we go to verse uh, chapter 16. Saturday evening... When the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who's going to roll the stone away for us? Because it's, uh, who will run the the stone away from the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been loaded rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The woman was shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anybody because they were too frightened. It's a story that we all know really well about Jesus, but what happened when he died and when he came back to life again. But I just want us to, for a moment, just to go back to last week. And we talked about when there's a guy called Howard Kellett here. He talked about Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And everybody, it was this like revolutionary moment. To be honest, when Howard was talking about it, I didn't really realise it. You know, I thought Jesus riding in a donkey was, you know, was a sign of his humility. That was a, a recognised sign of being a king. And waving the palm branches was this revolutionary moment where they're saying, look, we want somebody who's going to come and solve all our problems. We want somebody who's going to come and liberate us. We want a a Messiah who's going to fix our issues with these horrible Romans. But we heard then that Jesus, he said, no, I've got a bigger story. I've got something far more important than just helping this group of people in this Middle Eastern city. He had a plan to free 
all of humanity. And Jesus, did you know, Jesus tried to tell his disciples that he needed to go through his death. He, did, he tried to tell them. And there's this one point, I won't read the verses from Mark 8. This amazing point where, where Jesus said, look, this is what I've got to do. I've got to go here. I've got to die. And then I've got to be buried. And then I'll rise back to life again. And then this wonderful moment when Peter says, look, Jesus, could you stop it? Let's just keep it positive, shall we? Let's not go into that whole death thing, you know. Please, it's not really very helpful for us to hear about you've got to die. And what does Jesus say? He said, the worst thing that you could possibly ever say to your supposed friend, get behind me. You're speaking the words of Satan. Because Jesus knew he had to go through this thing. He had to go through this thing and he had to die in our place. And it was what the moment he died was when this like great, but imagine these curtains here, these big, thick, heavy curtains. It's this moment Jesus died and then suddenly in the temple, this thing just whoop, it rips aside because it was this moment when no longer are we separated from God. It's this extraordinary moment. You know, when I was playing rugby the other day, all these guys said to me, why is it called Good Friday? Why? It's not good. Why? They're like, it's about death. And then I just said, to them, I'm not going to tell you. And then the more I said, I'm not going to tell you, the more they said, go on, tell us why. You're the one that should not. I said, I'm not going to tell you. Why should I? Go and find it out. I don't know if they did. But anyway, but, it's, but this moment when it was separate, the barrier that separated us from God, it was gone. That is why it's good. That is why that moment is Good Friday. And it's pretty gruesome, but, you know, it, it, actually you can't talk about this crucifixion unless you talk about blood. You know, we have seen some horrendous things in the news about blood being shed recently. We see pixelated pictures of blood on roads, and it's horrendous. But we just know that is, it is the blood within us that gives us life, isn't it? If our blood drains away, we're gone. Our, our blood is this important thing that circulates around our body. It gives us life. But we can't talk about Easter without talking about the blood of Jesus that he shed for us. He gave for us. Without Jesus' blood being shed, there isn't any good news for us. Just so you know. It's gruesome, but that is true. There is no good news because God's law demands like, justice. It demands that actually all the things that I've done wrong in my life, that there is a penalty to pay for. You know, God's law, he is so good. He can't just say, oh, that's fine. And I've got, I've got some quote written on our, well, if you ever come to our house, it's on our toilet wall, actually, if you really want to know. We have this board and we've got blackboard on there and there's some quote that it said, and it says something like, um, God's love is so great for us that even though we've sinned, his desire for friendship means that he won't count our sin against us. No! Like God's justice is so important. Jesus had to die that we could be forgiven. It is so important. Before Jesus could be our saviour, he had to satisfy the requirements of God's justice. And when Manuela said earlier today that Jesus didn't, you know, his life wasn't taken from him, Jesus willingly gave his life. It wasn't as if he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he did say, to be fair, I don't really want to go through with this. 
Uh, when, what did he say after that? But not my will, but your. He knew he had to do it. When Peter took him to one side and said, Jesus, like, can we stop talking about this death? <laughs> Jesus said, no, get behind me. Do not say that again. I have to do this thing. I have to go through this death. He intentionally and willingly submitted. And then Howard spoke last week about this, this verse. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It was in Jesus' death that he won our victory. And, you know, we, we want a, a Jesus that will just fix our problems, don't we? we? I think Howard mentioned this thing about a pocket Jesus. You know, you get in a bit of trouble, you need a parking space, whoop, out comes Jesus. It's like a lucky, lucky, lucky rabbit's foot. You just rub the rabbit's foot or an Aladdin's thing. You get Jesus out, oh, I need you to help me with this. No, 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 actually what Jesus was saying was this. I need you to die. I need you to die to yourself that you might find life in me. It's hard. And then we get Friday night, Jesus died. Saturday, he was in the tomb. Early Sunday. What happened? Have you ever seen, I I hope I can get this story, have you ever seen a story of seen a moment when somebody sees somebody who they think is dead. Okay. I'll try and get this story right. It, this is a story for any Arsenal fans. Okay. <laughs> Pete, do you, have, you seen the, have you seen the video of Ian Wright? Yeah. Sorry, I'm not, yeah. I'm what, not Pete. What, what's, the name of, what's the name of the guy? It's Tico. Yeah, what's the name of... Do you know his name? Mr. Partridge. I'm not sure. I'm anyway, okay. What happens is this, okay? Ian Wright, who is... Was he the biggest goal scorer for Arsenal? Second. Where's my... I know. There's a few people in the, in the room that I know, okay? Second biggest scorer for Arsenal. He had a very dysfunctional childhood. He didn't have any role models of men that were, that were positive. He had one positive role model in his life. This guy. That's Mr. Partridge. Are you looking it up? Okay, yeah. Okay. This... Mr. Pigeon, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Nearly had it, right? Yeah. It was a bird with a yeah, it's the video. Ian Wright was this incredibly sort of like confident, you can see him as on Match of the Day a lot of the time, you know. He's a really funny, funny guy. Dysfunctional, like one man in, when he was growing up, Mr. Pigeon, who was this role model, he was his football coach. He was being interviewed in some football stands. And um, Mr. Pigeon had died, okay? Ian Wright had been told that he had died. He'd been told he'd died. Then they were interviewing him, and then Ian Wright was talking to the camera, and then you see off camera this man say, Hello, Ian. And Ian Wright says, Mr. Pigeon, what? I thought you were dead. And, and if I'm honest, Ian Wright starts crying. And he goes, Mr. Pigeon, he was the one man that was a positive role model in his life. But you could see in Ian Wright, he's thinking, you're alive. He, I think he said, you're alive. And this like incredible sense of joy and euphoria that this man that he loved and, was, and thought, and you look it up on YouTube, he thought this man, had, he said, you're alive. It's just a pale reflection 
of what these three women, when they went to the grave, they thought, okay, all this practical stuff, who's going to heave this stone? I don't know how it's going to do. They get there and they think, oh my word, someone's broken in. Someone's rolled the stone away. And then they get in there and they find this angel. And this angel tells them the corpse has started breathing. What? It's like Mr. Pig. No, it's not Mr. What? We, we lived our life. Ow. No, you can't. Why? This phenomenal moment. And over the years, just to let you know, so many people have tried to rubbish the, the resurrection. So many people have tried to disprove it. And the evidence mounts and mounts and mounts that the resurrection was true. Numerous eyewitnesses. The radical transformation of the disciples. They would not have changed their lives. They would not have been martyred had they known it was false. They were the ones that were going to benefit most of all. If they, if they knew it was a lie, they wouldn't have given their lives for it. I just want for a moment to ask you a question. I think this is still crunching, isn't it? Okay, we'll just ignore it. I think there's some interference, but don't. If you're, not, if you're happy to ignore it, I'm as well. Just for a moment, could you turn to the person near you and ask the, the question, how would life be different if Jesus hadn't come back to life? Just for a moment. Just ask. So it's an interesting question, isn't it? The resurrection is a central area of Christian doctrine. What would happen if somebody found the bones of Jesus? What would happen if somebody found undeniable... You'd need a new job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't think about that one. <laughs> absolute proof that that when Jesus died he stayed dead what would happen uh, tell me what, uh, tell me what, what were some of the answers what, what did he come up with how would life be different Gene sorry would have no hope yeah you, you live you die let's party <laughs> why would there be lawlessness Yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. A anything else? Yeah, there, there, would be, there would be no Christianity. It's a waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. It would be a pathetic sham. <laughs> We're thinking about serious doctrinal issues here. We're thinking about the shape of all of humanity. And Manuela goes, we could have a lion on Sunday morning. And <laughs> Yeah, we could all go away at the weekends all the time. Yeah, we could. Anything else? Sorry? We, we would not be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We'd still be killing lambs. <laughs> Poor lambs. Yeah, we still do, because it's Easter. We're having a bit of a lamb, lamb leg. You know, we... 
<laughs> yeah, we would still be, but we'd be trying to sacrifice, sacrifice the, to get forgiveness of sins, and we would be eternally damned. Yes. We would always be trying to appease God. Any last, anything last? God would still be angry with us. It would bring into question the whole thing of does God exist? Just to let you know, the, the resurrection is really, really important. Everything. Not only my job. Thanks, Jill. <laughs> but our lives. Everything that we've lived for is built on this moment when there was a corpse and the corpse suddenly blinked or twitched or gasped and life came back. The moment of the resurrection. There's a great um, chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15. And I've just got uh, all of those things that we talked about there. I just listed some of them out for us. If Jesus wasn't resurrected, you and I would still be very, very guilty. If Christ has not been raised, raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Do you know, I, I think, I don't know where people stand on like addiction and issues that controlling behaviour, but I do know that a contributing factor to that is people just feeling guilty. Guilt through life. It destroys us. And yet suddenly we find this place because Jesus was raised from the dead. God's justice demands that my sins are punished somehow. And Jesus died. And it's by his resurrection that God says, yes, this is my son. Everything that he said about you is true. The mo That's why people say they really pity, pity atheists. Because at the end of the day, they've got no one to thank and no one to forgive them. But actually we have God who said, no, this is my son. The most historically attested fact in history that Jesus lived, died, and resurrected. Lives are ruined by guilt and regret. But God comes in to give us forgiveness. Second reason I've got is this. When Jesus blinked and came back to life, our ultimate enemy, death, was defeated. It says this, 1 Corinthians 15, 24, when Jesus returns, he will turn the kingdom over, over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Fear of death has gone. I was reading some stuff about what death means, and people write these poems about death, about, you know, when you, the moment you die, you go off on some sort of, like, ocean wave and you go out into the vast abyss and you just explore and you think no that's nonsense death is coming home death is coming home to the one who's loved us the fear of death is a major fear for many people and as you get older you think I don't I just I don't want to die and you you sort of let you go cricket kicking and screaming towards it but do you know for those of us in Christ Death is coming home. It's a homecoming. Number three, because death is defeated, we have eternal life. This verse from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 21. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given 
new life. Can you just put the next slide up? I don't know if you know this guy. Uh, uh, Vitaly Vinogradov, who is the dean of the Kiev Slavic Evangelical School. And he was shot dead in Butcher. I think it was two weeks ago. Along with 400 other citizens of that city of Butcher, that suburb of Kiev. We've just seen so much death around us, haven't we? And sometimes we almost we get immune to the reality of it. The extraordinary, tragic loss of life. But the truth of it is, is that death has been defeated. This man now has an eternal life. It's not something we think, oh, this is good. All the stuff that's happening in Ukraine. But that we just have to know, my friends, that the resurrection speaks into our everyday life. It brings hope where otherwise there is utter hopelessness. I think it means that we actually we can stand up for our faith. You know, sometimes we have to pay the price, don't we? Sometimes Tim has to pay the price for like standing up. It's not, it's not always easy. And sometimes we have to stand up and say, no, this is who I am. I'm a believer in Jesus. And there's, sometimes there's a cost. But Jesus has won the victory. The fourth one is this. Is that it, Jesus' re- resurrection gives him authority. 1 Corinthians 15, 27 says this. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. We may not understand all things, but all things at the end are under his authority. I do not understand. Why, Jesus, why don't you just stop this war in Ukraine? Why don't you stop all this suffering? Why don't you just say, this, I will stop this and this will be done? And one of the reasons is that Jesus gives you and I the chance to love him or to hate him. And that works out in the world. We have the chance to love Jesus or to hate him. But ultimately, we need to know this. That because Jesus was resurrected, he carries the ultimate authority. At the end of all time, Jesus will be in charge. The fourth thing is this. Sorry, the fifth thing. I think, who was it said, we might as well just live? Was it you that said, when we die, there's no point, we might just have a party? Okay. If Jesus didn't come back to life, our faith is useless. If Jesus didn't come back, there is no Christianity. Why don't we just all have a big party? Let's just do it. And if you think that's being a little bit sort of like flippant, 1 Corinthians 15 verse 32 says this, And what value was there in fighting wild beasts, those people in Ephesus? If there is no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no resurrection from the dead, what does it say we do? Let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. But that goes against everything within our soul. Everything within our souls that think, no, we're going to live for a bigger goal than that. We're going to live for something far more important because Jesus was raised from the dead. And then lastly, it says this. And this is for some of us who are slightly older. Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead, there'll come a point when we will get renewed bodies. Hooray! when we die the moment we die our disembodied souls will be with Jesus we know that don't we 
Because Jesus said to the thief who died next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. But there will come a moment when we'll think, was that a trumpet? There will come a moment where there will be an absolute clarity. There is a trumpet call and Christ returns to reign. And do you know what? That's, we will get renewed bodies. This physical earth will be renewed, restored. And people are saying, do you know what? I'm not all that bothered about going to heaven if I just sit on a, on a cloud and play a harp all day. Well, it won't be. The joy of the earth God has restored it. It's a new heavens and it's a new earth. And these physical bodies will be restored. And again, if you want the evidence, it says this, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. What I'm saying, dear brothers and sisters, is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. Our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies will be transformed into immortal bodies. It's going to be immense. I think we just have to suddenly think, this is what the resurrection brings to us. It's not just some sort of dry part of, of Christian doctrine that we have to understand. It changes everything. It changes everything. We have an eternity to be with our Heavenly Father. Everything restored and renewed. We have much to celebrate. There is no place that we can find the bones of Jesus. Why? Because he is alive. He is ruling and reigning. And we are awaiting his return. Therefore, it says right at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, be strong, be immovable in your faith, and be enthusiastic in the Lord. We're going to take communion. And I'm going to hand over to, uh, to Becca and Jerry. And I think you guys are going to lead us through it, aren't you? But we're going to take communion not just to celebrate the death of Jesus. This red juice that represents the blood that bought our freedom. But we're going to do it to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus as well. This glorious resurrection that changes everything. The evidence of who Jesus is, born in the fact that he didn't stay a dead corpse, but he blinked. And then he sat up. And then he brought the kingdom of God in power. Can I just ask you to stand with me?